Hey everyone, today we're in Proverbs chapter 25, beginning with verse 1, and let's see through verse 7. Here's what it says. These also are Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. As the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so the heart of kings is unsearchable. Take away the dross from the silver, and the smith has material for a vessel. Take away the wicked from the presence of the king, and his throne will be established in righteousness. Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence, or stand in the place of the great, for it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. So today we begin chapter 25 in Proverbs, and right off we find that these were Proverbs of Solomon, which King Hezekiah's men copied out, likely his scribes. Remember, Solomon reigned when Israel was not divided into Israel and Judah, and Hezekiah was king in Judah, which included Jerusalem, and he reigned roughly 200 years after Solomon. So what did Hezekiah's men copy them off of? Well, and why? (laughs) Really, I don't know, but I assume that after 200 years, the originals may have been in scroll form and were getting a little bit brittle. And so if they were to be preserved, they needed to be copied. And interestingly, that's how we have God's Word today. It comes from hundreds of handwritten chapters and letters and books that, that people copied one at a time by hand. And what we have today are copies even of copies. And when that many copies are compared with one another, mistakes in in copying readily shows itself. So we're able to see any mistakes that were made very easily. Um, Well, moving on with today's text, as we noticed, it begins by mentioning two kings. And then in the next few verses, it talks more about relating to kings as well as those in positions of authority. In fact, pretty much the whole chapter talks about uh, discernment in various relationships in life. And it begins with kings. And so first Solomon talks about the king of kings, God. He says it's the glory of God to conceal things. Then he says it is the glory of kings to search things out. Then he says, A king's heart is unsearchable. So what might he be talking about with all this? As for God concealing things, I mean, we know he is sovereign. He's all-powerful. I mean, if God decides to hide something so that it cannot be found, then it's hidden forever. But then God being God, he can also hide something so that it can be found only by those who seek for it, right? Um, In the days of Solomon... Uh, and Hezekiah, the king, had the authority and the power to do just about whatever he wanted, especially when it came to seeking God's will for God's people. God wanted the king to, to lead the nation closer to God 
and he expected the king to seek out uh, God's guidance. And that's the kind of king that Solomon was, especially when he first started out. And uh, that's the kind of king that Hezekiah was as well. So uh, just, um, you know, thinking about, you know, a spiritual application, that the promise of revealing things that are concealed, namely the good news of the Messiah, that's not only for kings, but it's also for you and me. God wants us to, to search for truth and to look to Him to be our guide. And when we do, He shows us His glory in Jesus. So looking back at the text, Solomon also said that a king's heart is unsearchable. Of course, a king did not have to consult with anyone about anything, so no one really could know anything about his purposes in his kingdom unless he disclosed those purposes. And in that context, we know that the heart of God is unsearchable in that he only discloses what he chooses to. Um, Romans 11.33 says, beginning there, O the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. So next in today's passage, Solomon talks about how just as one can take away the trash uh, from silver when it's melted and make it pure silver, in a similar way, a king's throne will be established in righteousness or purity, you might say, if he removes the wicked from his inner circle. And once again, this is for our lives as well, not only for kings. If we long to fellowship with sinful people and we're drawn to them and we enjoy their ways, uh, our life will not be established in righteousness. It, it's a tell for, for what we want in life and what we're going to seek. We should surround ourselves with uh, God's people who are humble and who show God the glory that He deserves. These kinds of things should make uh, us happy. They should give our lives joy when we hear people give God the glory. Finally, Solomon, he talks about humility in relating to the king and nobles. Look, we're all equal, right? In the context that we're all human beings, we're all sinners. The king and the president are both unrighteous people just like us. And Solomon and Hezekiah, they were both sinners. But God's word is very clear. And here's one place among many that address um, being submissive to authority. And let's begin, let's see, First Peter chapter 2, verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Um, verse 18. 
servants be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. So, look, we can't know all that God knows about the details of why he puts some in authority and not others, but we do know it's for his glory. Dictators in places like North Korea, uh, among other places, may cause us to question God. But, you know, we don't see the whole picture altogether with the goal that God has in mind about bringing glory to himself. And we see this principle uh, among families also, right? And maybe we can get some insight into truth by looking at that. I mean, Ephesians 6, beginning with verse 1, says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So I take this to mean, yes, obey your parents, even when they are unjust and mean. However, if they say to hate your neighbor or do wrong to them, or if they tell you to believe there's no God, you should obey God rather than anyone else. So obey your parents in the Lord. The problem for us, at least spiritually then, is not being abused by evil men, but the threat to defeat us spiritually comes from our own heart. Our first thought is usually to repay evil for evil. And in the scripture we read just a minute ago, it said, don't do that. Uh, But that's what we first run to, being sinful people. And so we're bitter and we're hateful and our hearts are becoming wicked like those who we're actually hating. (laughs) And another thing with authority is that we don't really want to remain in the lowest station in life. We want to rise to authority ourselves. And so we're pulled in that direction. We, we don't like to submit. We're prone to jealousy. Um, remember in the Old Testament, how even Aaron and uh, Miriam, I think her name was, uh, seemed to be jealous of the position that God had given Moses. And, and they rebuked Moses. But Moses, who the Bible says was like the meekest, or I think the humblest man on earth, he didn't even have to defend himself, but God handled it himself. So we, we should remember that. Look, we should not be so defensive for ourselves, but trust God. In Luke 14, Jesus himself spoke about this very same issue. In uh, verse 8, he said, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the place of honor. <laughs> then he goes on to say this in verse 11, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So, I think this last part of today's passage is so important because um, it speaks to pride. 
which is one of the most dangerous things that uh, endangers our relationship to God. We are to work towards humility. Don't put yourself in the spotlight for your own glory. Don't take the seat meant for the VIPs. Don't push your way into the king's presence. All right, so in um, review, some of what we looked at today was this. God is sovereign. He's sovereign to conceal his glory from sinners, but also sovereign in that he will reveal himself to sinners who humbly look to him and seek him in faith. Also, we looked at how our life will be established in righteousness if we remove wicked fellowship from the inner circle of our life and we don't love wicked relationships or seek them out, but rather to seek out godliness and godly relationships. Finally, we looked at how we should submit to the authority that God has set in this world and in our lives. Um, in the Lord, even when we're treated poorly, to submit in humility with love and with all the attributes of godliness like long-suffering and kindness and gentleness and such. And in so doing, people see the character of God, His attributes in our life, and He gets the glory. And those people um, who are mistreating us are pointed toward the good news of Jesus Christ. So then, um, in closing, the ways in which we are to relate to the King and authority figures on earth point us to our relationship with the King of every King, who is Jesus Christ. And remember, in all our trials, in all our tribulations and troubles, He is our defense. Not only in this world is He sees fit, but on Judgment Day, right? And it will be all for His glory. So may we take comfort in God's Word and in these things today. So Father God, thank you for your Word today, Lord. And um, these examples in chapter 25 of how we should relate um, to others, including people in authority, Father. And thank you, Lord, as we looked at earlier, how um, Hezekiah copied off some of Solomon's Proverbs, and uh, and we're thankful that he did that, Father. And we're thankful that your word has been copied, all of your word, um, and handed down to us so that we might know the hope that comes to us through the Messiah who lived a perfect life, the life that none of us have lived, and who died a wicked sinner's death, the death we all deserve, and who rose from the grave, um, something none of us could do. And in so doing, um, he gives us the same resurrection power, us who believe, uh, so that we might have victory over sin and not be slaves to sin any longer. And he will raise us up one day, um, no longer connected to the entropy that is related to sin. And we will be with him forever, Lord. Thank you for this great gift. In Jesus' name.